And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we begin a Wednesday, Gary, how are you? I'm doing really good because... I can say now, and this may be something we do for a significant per- uh, period of time. Uh, coming up later on in the show, a beer update. All right. Yeah. And that's, that sounds, you know, interesting, doesn't it? I mean, uh, Yeah, why not? Uh, we've got a beer update coming up. Yeah. But the thing that really caught my attention was when I saw this story, it was reported by a Japanese newspaper. Many Japanese citizens are taking formal lessons on how to smile again after three years of wearing masks have destroyed their facial expressions. Some people are so nervous about their smiling skills that they insist on private lessons instead of group therapy. <laughs> Smile trainer Kawano Kaiko said requests for lessons shot up 450% after Japan formally ended the coronavirus pandemic in February and lifted mask recommendations in March. Compared to the zero bookings he was getting up until now. Right, it's like 450%, well, 450 times zero is still zero, isn't it? This is, uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm going to go bogus. She said requests for private individual lessons began surging at the beginning of the year. Okay, I want to book lessons and and show up and go, hey, what is this? What is this crap? <laughs> Smiling lessons. I'm willing to pay you, but I'm not willing to smile. Go ahead. With mask wearing <laughs> having become the norm, people have had fewer opportunities to smile. No, you didn't. You just smile beneath the mask. Do they not know how this works? I I think they're I think they were wearing the masks wrong. I can say what the hell kind of masks were they wearing? Yeah, were were, they, were these straitjacket masks? I I you 
They didn't duct tape their mouth shut, did they? <laughs> With a uh, mask wearing having become the norm, people have had fewer opportunities to smile, and more and more people have developed a complex about it. Kawana was ready to grab the increased business, having gone to work as a smile trainer long before that. She told the New York Times on Monday that she began studying the physiology of smiling six years ago when her own ability to smile faded during years of working in radio. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do it. That's true. I can't make that up. Now I believe the story. (laughs) Now Now I believe the story. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. Totally, totally legit. 100%. Yeah, no, it'll take it right out of you. There are other things you won't be able to do, too, but that's the first. You lose the ability to smile <laughs> when you're <in your> radio. <laughs> <laughs> After transitioning from radio to teaching business etiquette, <laughs> it's any funnier. Kawano discovered an eager clientele who wanted to learn the techniques she developed to improve her own smile that was destroyed by working in radio. <laughs> Uh, ma'am, uh, it appears that uh, you're not smiling. I lost my ability to smile. What happened? You know, I'm waiting to hear something, you know, like an accident or a very tragic situation in their life. I worked in radio. I, I worked in radio. Oh, my gosh. Oh, can I get you anything? Can I get you something to drink? Or do you want to lay down? Do you want to? Uh, let's just take a minute here. We could just take a minute here. Just... Listen, I don't even know how you get out of bed every day after working in radio. Listen, you take your time. Just take your time. Wow. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, that'll do it. That may be the funniest story all year. Yeah. Now, what isn't explained is how she lost her smile Mm -hmm. in radio. I think we all know. Could you inform me? It's, of that? It starts with the crap coffee. <laughs> it's back to coffee Next again. Thing you know, you're walking around <laughs> up and down the hallways, Everything. going, "We're doomed." <laughs> Everything is back to coffee again. Yeah, <laughs> I remember in City Slickers. Remember, uh, mm. uh, Billy Crystal lost his smile. Yeah, remember because he was supposed to go right. on the, the cattle drive to bring his smile back. Right. Because- Jack Palance never had a smile, so. That kind of, <laughs> <laughs> kind of naturally worked You're right. out. <laughs> he didn't have a smile. Right. He didn't steal the smile. No. He didn't regain his smile from stealing it yeah. from Jack, did he? No. No. <laughs> no. One of the greatest scenes ever. Oh, yeah, it was and great. It was, was uh, uh, him sitting on the, the horse with the cigarette in his mouth just mm. burning. And yeah. he's just, and the, it's like, it's just the camera's on him. <laughs> it's like beautiful Cerny, but you yeah. just see the cigarette burning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, lo- I I just that I got to go back and watch. I'm making a list of the old movies to watch, and it's amazing uh, how you can escape by going back and watching an old classic movie like that. 
That would, mm-hmm. you know, one of the newer classics. But Oh. Yeah. And again, this all makes sense. I just realized it. Mm-hmm. In City Slickers, what business was Billy Crystal in? Radio. Radio. <laughs> you sold air. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's all coming together. I know. I just, when I brought it up, I didn't even think about that. You he, know, was, he was in radio. And here's the thing. It's not that you don't have the ability to smile. You just don't have the will. <laughs> it drains everything from It's just you. like, nah, whatever. Whatever. Uh, we must be the anomaly because uh, <laughs> I, I think my, my, my smile and, well, let's put it this way. Uh, I guess my smile, because if you're laughing all the time, you're smiling, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) I lost my ability to smile. My ability. I don't even know how to smile anymore. Why? Why? What happened? I was in radio. Oh, okay. Now, here's a question. Huh? Will liberalism someday... Will it be a requirement that you don't smile? Because nothing's really well, funny. No, no. We've nothing's already been really there. funny. You know, you uh, quit posting how happy you are today because other people aren't happy. Yep. How many times have we seen that, the, uh, the Karens all over social media? You may, not, you may not know it, but the other person that sees your post, they're not having a good day. So if you're having a good day, keep it to yourself. <laughs> They may be going through something. Well, I, I feel for them, but I'm, I'm having a good day. Maybe that will help them if I'm having a good day and I share it. Everything is wrong. You can't be happy. That's right. There's nothing right in the world. I'm going to die. Why should I smile? That's right. It's all going to be over soon. You're, you're 22. <laughs> well, no. Wait a minute. I mean, <laughs> Greta. Have you ever seen her smile? No. No. Why? Not even once. They told her she's doomed. Yes. She's crying. She's she's at that age when she should be doing nothing but smiling. Or as my granddaughters do to me, just making that sarcastic smile toward me because they feel sorry for me. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's the arrogant of youth. (laughs) laughing at the older people as if they don't get it. No, that's that's it. <laughs> and I just go back. I the, quietly, arrogance, the arrogance and ignorance of youth. <laughs> yeah. I quietly go back to my seat. I like, don't know. They're not wrong. Like one of my favorite lines from the Canadian band, the Northern Pikes. Mm-hmm. What the kids are talking about means zero now. You got to give them a break. You got to give them a break. In dreamland now, in teen land now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what I think it was? I think it was Barry Manilow. <laughs> Can't smile without you. Can't laugh well, without you. We want everybody to know we're pro smile here at Red Eye. Yeah. <laughs> and we've, yeah, taken, we are. we've taken two strong stands in the last uh, almost, what are we now? 18 years coming up in July? Together? It'll be 18 years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we've taken two strong stands. We're anti-murder and we're pro-smile. So Yeah. We're pretty much anti-bad things. <laughs> we're pro-good things. 
Yeah. Look, you don't need a coach. No, you, already, you don't. You already know how to do it. You know how to do it. Yeah, I needed I needed a golf coach, but I don't believe I need a smile coach. What do they well, charge? Well, here's here's my question. How much Botox did you get if you can't smile anymore? I mean, unless you got a ton of Botox or have any nerve issues, you don't need to learn how to smile. Right. By the way, and we're not talking the, about a, we're not talking about a medical procedure. Right. We're right. Talking, right. What they're saying is this is no, the, no, no. This is a, a coach right. is going to teach you how to. Your face already knows how to do that. And somehow I picture in my in my mind the teacher is like uh, uh, Mike Myers in Wayne World Two screaming mm. at Chris Farley on the stage. Yeah. And saying, "What are you doing? Yeah. You're, you're only one son. Get that other lip up." Yeah. Go watch a comedy or do something. I mean, if you're in a situation and your mindset is that you don't smile anymore, then then maybe you you know, there's somebody you can talk to. But it's not a smile coach. Yeah. It's... You know? I mean your face already knows how to smile. Is there a doctorate in smiling? It's there must be a doctorate. There's at least somebody's making and what do you charge if you're a smiling coach? Then you, you, you want to go into, I'm going to be a frown coach. <laughs> Look, the world needs a little bit of everything. Variety. <laughs> now, I, I've seen, I, I've, you know, I've been in crowds. We have the lost look down. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's happening. Well, no, just look, just look at your phone, even if it's not on. Just look down at your phone and keep walking <laughs> while you're looking at your phone. There. That'll be $25. Uh, we're, just having, we're having too much fun. Yeah, we are. All right. We've uh, uh, got a great show. We'll look at some of the uh, analysis has been really interesting on the on the Durham report. Yeah, the media stuff is interesting because a lot of people are getting called out for things they said mm-hmm. and the and the avenue that they went chose to go down in 2017. Well, the one thing is it's not that the FBI, you know, the, this was brought up, I think, uh, I can't remember. It was a Turley Jonathan uh, or Charles Cook. I can't remember. Mm. Uh, but there, uh, it was a couple of articles yesterday talking about that. Oh, Andrew McCarthy actually had it too. Mm. That this wasn't the FBI, you know, not this wasn't Comey trying to figure out what was going on. Right. This was because, remember, Comey was informed. He knew. The intelligence agencies and the FBI knew Hillary was going to do this. Right, right. So they decided to join them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that they, oh, we're not sure about that. They knew it was bogus. They knew the Hillary, yeah. the Hillary campaign. This is what they found out in July of 2016, what she was going to do. And they said, they made the decision Let's go ahead with this conspiracy theory. Right. That's what Comey did. That's the kind of higher loyalty. Now, you saw Peter Strzok, you know, he was livid, uh, you know, he was livid yesterday. They don't believe they did anything wrong because their higher loyalty is to not the Constitution. And it's very important because I think uh, now that I look back at Comey writing, you know, the the book, A Higher Loyalty, it was like, 
yeah, I have a higher loyalty than the Constitution. It's what I believe and how I believe the country should run. A higher loyalty is me acting as a dictator yeah. or me knowing that I'm telling a lie about someone is a higher loyalty to this country. They truly believe what they did was correct. Well, it's interesting. McCabe was on, uh, this was the day that it came out. So uh, it was the afternoon, the evening uh, uh, of the day that it came out. And he was on CNN with Anderson Cooper and said that Durham's investigation wasn't a real investigation. Are you kidding me? Durham showed that the investigation into all the collusion stuff wasn't true. And everybody is acknowledging that, of course, except you. You were a central player, and you got fired for lying. I'm sure McCabe is going to try and keep up the lie. Of course, Jake Tapper on CNN uh, pretty much exonerates Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. And it, well, it, it does. Yeah, of course. Well, but we knew it already. I mean, because right. we've been following it. Right. If you if right. you were paying attention, right. you, you knew. knew it. Eight six six ninety red eye. When it comes to truck maintenance, sometimes it's the little things that can cause the most trouble, like cabin air filters. When properly serviced, cabin air filters provide a barrier between pollutants and harmful particles outside and your HVAC system. If you don't pay attention to them, however, this small part can turn into big trouble in no time. Breathe easy when you know how often to get your filters replaced. Long-haul drivers should replace their cabin air filters every 50,000 miles or according to the manufacturer's recommendations. If you operate in dusty environments, consider servicing your cabin air filters more often. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen.
Friday Night Radio. He is Eric Carley. I'm Gary McNamara. Eric asked during the break, you know, what if you take that smile counseling and they give you a test and you fail? What if you fail? Like at the end failing? and you and you can't smile. I mean, what do you do? Can you can you can't get your do it, money? coach? Can you get your money back? <laughs> I mean, I, I just can't do it. Oh God! <laughs> Coming up, we'll we'll uh, uh, hit some of the I think what was some great analysis of the uh of the the Durham report. They want this to go away real quick because they yeah. can't they they can't win this. This is another thing and and again, this is something we've covered. There was really nothing new. You know, there are some things that that hit me yesterday and I went, "Oh yeah." I mean, I knew it already, but they when somebody phrased it it was like, "Whoa." And and when it was phrased to me, well, you know, the FBI, the intelligence agencies told uh, you know, told Biden, they told uh, they uh, they told uh, Obama mm-hmm. that Hillary was going to attempt to do this. The FBI knew it, and it was was pointed out the the policy of the Hillary campaign became the policy of the FBI. Yeah, and we'll get we'll go through some of the quotes that they said at the time that were complete lies, completely bogus, and you can look at it and you see that Comey did did everything that after seeing some of the things that. Comey said, now, and you look back at it now, absolutely he deserved to be fired. Mm-hmm. He was not an FBI agent. He was a political activist. Yep. And the other thing that I love is because Republicans are furious, saying we need to do something. The FBI is still is still full of management rot. Right. We have to do something. Right. We may withhold funding. Mm. We've got to clean this up. And the left is trying to make this the same as their defund the police. Yeah, yeah right. Well, well, the FBI doesn't doesn't have cops on the streets, you know, taking calls from people to come to their house to prevent crime. They're an investigative unit. Right. And they blew it big time. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. All right, let me uh, get to this uh, audio cut yesterday uh, from Corrine uh, Jean Pierre when she was finally asked a question on the Durham report. What is the White House reaction to Special Counsel Durham's report on how the FBI handled the Trump-Russia probe? I would leave it to the Department of Justice to so speak to. talks often about how he wants the DOJ and FBI to remain independent and um, you know, above the fray. That report seems to reflect the opposite. Is Does he agree with uh, Special Counsel Durham that there needs to be wholesale changes at the FBI? Again, that is uh, with the Department of Justice. That's not something that I'm going to speak from the podium. As you just stated in your question, we believe in an independent uh, de- Department of Justice. That's what the President said when he was running, and that's what he, the President has said the last two years. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys in... She didn't even wait. She's, nope. she's got the book in her. She wanted yep. out of there as yep. fast as possible. Yep. Because she can't give a right answer. No, to the left. No, there no, there's a, a one. Can't be a right answer. Uh, you know, we think that uh, what the Durham report came out with, because the Department of Justice, you know, again, Merrick Garland, nothing on it, nothing. 
Right. Didn't say a word. Right. Didn't say a word on it. He hasn't spoke on it whatsoever. So if he's saying nothing, you have to tend to believe, and he released it immediately yeah. that he agrees with it, right? I and, don't see and, any. Certainly, because he had it before he released it, plenty of time to go through it, dissect it, and he could have walked up to the podium. I kind of, you and I talked about this, you know, leading up to this, what's going to happen? Is Garland going to release it? Uh, even if he doesn't, he knows that a GOP-run House is, you know, eventually going to get John Durham in front of them. And, you know, so you really don't have a choice. You're going to have to release it eventually. But he re- he released it very quickly and never said a thing about it. He never came out and said, uh, our assessment, uh, the information we have is uh, conflicts with what Durham found or nothing like that. Right. He didn't say anything. Nope. Uh, and so if they're not saying anything, then they must agree with it. Right. They agree with that. The, with the independence and they agree with the, the, the Durham, uh, report, but this whole thing that when they say, well, we can't, you know, we can't, they could talk about it. Of course they could. Oh yeah. It's, of course it's his, it's his attorney general. Right. You can, you can disagree with it, but this whole thing that, you know, we want an independent. No, you don't. No, you just can't speak to it because, if you sit there and say, we agree with what they have come out with and we're glad that the Durham report was done, the left will go crazy at you. Yeah. You know, it was when when you actually look at this, um, I'm just I want to read a, a, a few things here. Uh, this was uh, uh, Jonathan Turley uh, in New York Post. He wrote a few uh, columns yesterday on this. A political campaign hatches a plot to create a false claim of collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government. Making this even more implausible is that the FBI and the CIA know about the plot. Mm. As detailed in this report, Barack Obama and his national security team were briefed on how a trusted foreign source revealed a Clinton campaign plan to vilify Trump by trying him to uh, tying him to Vladimir Putin so as to divert attention from her own concerns relating to her use of the private email server. It then happened a few days later. It was a plot that required everyone to take a hand in derailing a duly elected president and effectively shutting down his administration for three years of investigations and prosecution. In this conspiracy, there were dozens of key participants in the campaign, the government, and the media. And then goes on to talk about those, you know, uh, the the actual conspiracy that... that, uh, that we actually uh, know about. I'll go one step further when, and you and I have, it's not just a conspiracy. It was a culture. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that there weren't people involved in it that agreed. There were, yeah. There were people but, that did work right. together. There's, there's no doubt, but the, the more dangerous part of that is that it was a culture and you did not have to coerce anybody, you know, in that, in, within that culture to get them to act that way. I mean, they, they all took the ball and ran with it. Uh, and, and I think it's important to understand that, that that's, the, that's why when you have Republicans saying, we need to clean house at the FBI. You've got to clean house. It's because not that the conspiracy continues, but the culture continues. Yeah. The culture 
of what we call the filthy rot of federal management of law enforcement. Not the FBI agent on the street, but the filthy rot inside the Department of Justice and the FBI, which still exists today. And then Charles Cook National Review. How can anybody take them seriously? And I had to laugh at his first line here. Mm. I accept that this is naive, so please don't write me and tell me that I need to understand that the media is <laughs> irreparably biased. Trust me, I know. Uh, but he's wrong. They're not biased. They're political activists. There's a difference between bias and political activism. They lie for a living and don't care if they get caught. There is no shame. They just move on to the next lie. Yeah. So let's take it. I, I like the stuff Charles Cook writes. But it's not bias. It's political activism. But he says, trust me, I know. But I sincerely, honestly, generally do not understand how any of the people who continued to peddle the Trump-Russia nonsense long after it was obvious that it wasn't true can ever be expected to be taken seriously again. And very quickly here, let me... uh, I need to go to the... Of course, I copied it, and I can't copy it. Mm. Uh, New York's Jonathan Chait wrote uh, this elongated suicide note in the summer of 2018. Quote, the media has treated the notion that Russia has personally compromised the president of the United States as something close to a kook theory, Chait complained in a piece titled, What if Trump has been a Russian agent since 1987? Or, uh, Or, yeah, it has. As opposed to what? And then he goes through the the flow chart that Chait actually made. David Frum was insisting on TV and in the Atlantic that the theory wasn't a hoax in December of 2021, 10 months after Joe Biden had taken office. Rachel Maddow made a career out of spreading lunatic conspiracy theories on MSNBC, as did Chris Hayes and Nicole Wallace who still today uh, rejecting all evidence that contradicts her fever dream. Adam Schiff lied relentlessly. This is a point we made yesterday. Adam Schiff lied relentlessly from his official perch on the United States House Committee on Foreign Affairs and as a member of the House Intelligence Committee, where he lied about what the intelligence actually said to the American people, and now he is gearing up to run for the Senate. Mm -hmm. I could go on and on. Certainly it gets boring saying as much, but if any of these people weren't fully approved of by the Borg, (laughs) they'd never be able to write or do anything again without being reminded at every turn that they fatally beclown themselves and just ought to go away. But remember, though, remember how the federal judge ruled on the defamation uh, lawsuit against uh, against uh, um, Rachel Maddow. Mm-hmm. That nobody believes she tells the truth. Her audience doesn't believe she tells the truth. Mm-hmm. She doesn't believe she tells the truth. So you, she really can't defame everybody because everybody knows that her show is basically based on lies. Mm-hmm. So you can't sue her for defamation mm-hmm. because it's known that she's a pathological liar. Yeah, right. Doesn't matter. No, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter to them. But when you when you go through it, and then you see here again 
when Andrew McCarthy wrote, the FBI just didn't ignore didn't ignore the Russian intel on Hillary's plan to smear drum, Trump. It abetted the plan. They put it in motion. They said, what a great idea. What an absolutely great idea this is. And, you know, that is, when you, when you look at, at all of that, and I need to find some of the quotes that were made by... Uh, by Comey, because there were some from Comey that just were mind-boggling. There's so many articles I have in front of me here, but i got to find the stuff that, that Comey said at the time. Comey was promoting the whole the whole uh, thing about the prostitutes and the peen and all that. Right. Yeah. Comey was talking no, they, about that publicly. Uh, look, they subscribed to that uh, early on, and they kept running it across, you know, and, and, and carrying that false narrative, false story, all of the dossier stuff. Keep in mind, that's where Jim Acosta made his name. His rise was in that room with then-president-elect Trump, and he asked the story about BuzzFeed and the dossier. And CNN was basing everything they had on that story from BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed actually put up put on the page a disclaimer. Yeah, it's not all verified, but we're going with it anyway. Uh, as the Wall Street Journal has the, their points, there was no basis for an investigation. There was no probable cause. Mm-hmm. There was no evidence. Mm-hmm. Never was. Right. The FBI lacked actual uh, any actual evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia when it violated its standards and jumped over several steps to initiate a full investigation. Bias. The Durham report makes clear that the partisan hostility played a role in the probe. The report cites a clear predisposition to investigate based on prejudice against Trump and pronounced hostile feelings by key investigators, including former agent Peter Strzok and former FBI attorneys Lisa Page and Kevin Kleinsmith, Hmm. who, as we know, uh, uh, lied on the FISA application. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Double standards. The report lays out several instances in which the FBI was concerned that agents of foreign governments were seeking to influence by donating to the Clinton campaign and the Clinton Foundation. Yet in one case in 2014, the FBI dawdled over obtaining a warrant from a secret FISA court because, according to an agent, quote, they were pretty uh, they were pretty tiptoeing around Hillary Rodham Clinton because there was a chance she would be the next president, and the FBI was concerned about interfering with the coming presidential campaign. The FBI gave a Clinton representative a defensive briefing about the risks of foreign actors. Mr. Trump received no such briefing. Willful ignorance. The report lays out numerous examples of the FBI ignoring evidence uh, that it was being used by the Clinton campaign to execute a political dirty trick. This included intelligence the government received in July of 2016, alleging Mrs. Clinton had approved a proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by Russian security services. Former CIA Director John Brennan briefed this material to Obama, Biden, Loretta Lynch, and Mr. Comey, yet the FBI ignored it. No, they didn't. 
No, they didn't they ignore didn't it. They didn't ignore it. They went ahead and said, we're all aboard with this. Yeah. No, they they took the ball and ran with it. They saw, there were how many times uh, during this entire thing where all of this stuff was disproven, but the brass at the FBI wanted to carry it on. They kept it going. They kept it going. They kept it going. And I can't tell you why they did that. I mean, the ultimate goal is to bring Trump out of office, get him removed from office, try and prove something that wasn't true. But my question is, actually not why they did it, but did you actually think it was going to work when you know you had nothing? There was nothing there. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Uh, coming up on the top of uh, the hour, uh, more, uh, I guess, of, uh, feedback on the Durham decision and where that may go. Because when you think about it, you know, you had that, which was probably the biggest, you know, you take that, probably one of the biggest pieces of disinformation in American history that was promoted through a conspiracy and culture of the media, law enforcement, and the uh, and the, the Democrats for three years. Mm-hmm. The biggest piece of disinformation. Then you have what happened in 2020 with the Hunter Biden laptop. More disinformation. You have COVID. More disinformation. Mm-hmm. The Democrats claim that they're trying to stop when they're the biggest purveyors of disinformation probably in American history. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. You know, we only did this story once, and, and this was uh, when the Fox lawsuit was going on with, with, uh, uh, excuse me, the Dominion lawsuit against Fox was going on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we said, "Mm, we wonder whether Fox will be judged by the Rachel Maddow standard. And I had just mentioned it, uh, uh, a little bit ago before we got to the top of the hour. And I know most people may not know the story of it. And this happened a couple of years ago when Rachel Maddow said that OAN, you know, that news network, is basically paid propaganda, 
paid Russian propaganda. Uh, the most pro-Trump right-wing news outlet in America is literally is paid Russian propaganda. They sued her. And mm-hmm. Glenn Greenwald wrote a story on it with the quotes from the actual case. I've actually looked at the actual case, and all these things that he puts in there are true. Right. Uh, and and so in in response to her saying that, OAN sued Maddow, MSNBC, and its uh, uh, parent corporation, Comcast, for defamation, arguing that it was <laughs> you could demonstrate that this was false, that the network, in Maddow's words, is literally uh, is paid Russian propaganda. In an oddly overlooked ruling, an Obama-appointed federal judge, Cynthia Bashant, dismissed the lawsuit on the ground, ground that even Maddow's own audience understands that her show consists of exaggeration, hyperbole, and pure opinion, and therefore would not assume that such outlandish accusations are factually true, even when she uses a language of certainty and truth when presenting them. Basically, the judge is saying pure opinion means you just say things and can't back anything up. And remember, this is an Obama judge. Mm -hmm. In concluding that Maddow's statement would be understood even by her own viewers to be non-factual, the judge emphasized that what Maddow does in general is not present news or facts, but rather hyperbole and exploitation of actual news to serve her liberal activism. (laughs) The judge wrote, on one hand, a viewer who watches news channels tunes in for facts and the goings-on of the world. MSNBC indeed produces news, but this point must be juxtaposed with the fact that Maddow made the allegedly defamatory statement on her own talk show news segment, where she is invited and encouraged to share her opinions with her viewers. Maddow does not keep her political views a secret, and therefore uh, audiences could expect her to use subjective language that comports with her political opinion. Thus, Maddow's show is different than a typical news segment where anchors inform viewers about the daily news. The point of Maddow's show is for her to provide the news but also to offer her opinions as to that news. Therefore, the court finds uh, that the medium of the alleged defamatory statement makes it more likely that a reasonable viewer would not conclude that the contested statement implies an assertion of objective fact. The judge's observation about the specific segment at issue in which Maddow accuses a competitor of being literally a, a paid Russian propaganda was even more damning, Maddow's own viewers, ruled the court, not only expect but desire that she will not provide the news in factual form, but will exaggerate and even distort reality in order to shape her opinion-driven analysis, emphasis added. Viewers expect her to do so, as it is indeed her show, and viewers watch the segment, this is the judge now, with the understanding that it will contain Maddow's personal and subjective views about the news. Thus, the court finds that as part of the totality of the circumstances, the broad context weighs in favor of finding that the alleged defamatory statement is Maddow's opinion and and an exaggeration of a Daily Beast article, and that reasonable viewers would not take the statement as factual. 
and then goes into talking about everything else. Goes in some back to the analysis of it. In some ruled the court. Rachel Maddow was among those quote speakers whose statements cannot reasonably be interpreted as allegations of fact. Despite Maddow's use of the word literally to accuse OAN of being a paid Russian propaganda outlet, the court dismissed the lawsuit on grounds that given Maddow's conduct and her audience's awareness of who she is and what she does, the court finds that the contested statement is an opinion that cannot serve as the basis for a defamation claim. What makes this particularly notable and ironic is that a similar argument was made a year later by lawyers for Fox News when defending a segment that appeared on the program of Tucker Carlson that was part of the lawsuit brought by former model Karen McDougal, who claimed Carlson slandered her by saying she extorted former President Trump by demanding payments in exchange for her silence about an extramarital affair she claimed to have with him. McDougal's lawsuit was dismissed in 2020 by a Trump-appointed judge based on arguments made by Fox's lawyers that were virtually identical to those made Mm -hmm. by MSNBC's lawyers when defending Maddow. Now, the interesting thing is, this is now my, uh, it'll be 34 years in talk radio in in October. Uh, It'll be 40-something years, I think 41 years in July in radio even in music radio. I never thought I could lie on the air and get away with it. Ever. Well, and I, and, and if you, I, I never, if you analyzed, if anyone analyzed that, you know, what I do as that, uh, I would say they are wrong. I give opinions, but the opinions are based on fact. Well, and, and the argument that was used by the Fox attorneys. Look, he didn't mean extortion, extortion. So basically, the judges are, are the, the judge said, and the Fox lawyers are arguing, you know, in the proverbial sense. Right. Even what? though she said literally, a lot of people word literally and misuse it. Right, but but it's different. I'm not even talking about the defamation portion of it. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about how they analyze. The show mm-hmm. that you're not really doing news, you're giving pure opinion that may not be based on any fact whatsoever. Mm-hmm. The Obama judge was admitting that no reasonable person expects the truth from Rachel, Rachel Maddow. Yeah, and that, I mean, that, well, and I would and, I would ask the judge uh, to what extent if. Because you can't accuse somebody of being a child molester without them coming after you. She says that OAN is literally paid Russian right, but I'm not, propaganda. But, right, but I'm not talking about the defama- the legal defamation portion of it. I'm talking about well, the I'm, analysis I'm about, of the actual yeah, show. I, I understand right. that. But this that's exactly where I'm going. Is that... The judge is giving wide berth in that, saying, "Wow, they're just opinion makers, and within opinion, you shouldn't expect fact." Yeah, which is false. Well, again, I, I've I've never. I, viewed, where would you draw the line as a judge? Right. I mean, certainly, 
if she had said, well, this person at OAN is a murderer or child molester, you have to draw the line far before right. that. Right. And so if you're going to give, and then Fox News used it in their own defense, mm-hmm. the attorneys, and said, well, yeah, it's not a fact-based show. It's opinion-based show. Well, but you are stating fact. Well, not really. It's just, it's basically hyperbole. Well, for example, let's give an example. I mean, the most obvious example. When um, uh, when uh, the president and Democrats, when the president came out and said that we can be totally solar and wind by, by 2035. Mm. And we say that's a lie. Mm-hmm. The president is lying to you. Is that's an opinion that I've given? Is that opinion based on scientific fact? Well, it should be, but yes, I know that it is. It is. We yes, know that we is. can't get there. Right, you can't get there. It's impossible. Science backs us on that, so that's and the and what makes it a lie is that they know that we can't get there. There's exactly, nobody right, making exactly, the case right, right. that we can get right. there because if that were the case. Man, they would have been selling that long before Biden even opened his mouth right. about it. Right. Uh, a biological male can't be a biological female. Right. You know, and you know because that the news story would be a biological male claims that he should be able to compete against a woman because he is a woman. Right. Well, our analysis on that would be that is false. Mm-hmm. Now, is that subjective in any way? Or is that opinion based purely on fact, scientific fact, as we know today? Well, because, again, you're on a news channel. Now, if it were uh, the uh, Babylon Bee Hour on Fox News, you could say, all right, look, it's parody. It's parody, right. It's, right. you know, it's, right. there, you can, there are things you can cut out and, and set aside and say, all right, that belongs there. On a news program in a primetime presentation, if you make a claim, even in the process of issuing opinion, you make a direct claim, if that claim is damaging, you know, for anybody to say, oh, well, he didn't really mean it that way, or she didn't mean it that way. I would have a ton of questions. I have a ton of questions for that judge. You know, I, but I, I will say this. So if you talk about, okay, extortion or blackmail, you that word, ha, those words have been used not to, in, in the daily language, uh, have not always been used and probably a significant portion of time is not used actually to define a crime. You if, could also if, make if a case you're, if you're saying if you're if you if you said she's committing the crime of extortion, mm-hmm. where right, and you where, make the presentation right. as such, where you say this is a crime, this person committed a crime, it's extortion, it's against the right. law, right? Then you're going really, really hard to demonstrate this person broke the law, right. not in the right. proverbial sense, not in the political sense. But in the true sense, as it applies to the law. 
But if you take it in the context of her being a competitor with OAN, because they're both doing the same, you know, they're opposite, you know, uh, politically, but they are competitors Mm -hmm. for advertising dollars. Mm -hmm. And she says, you're literally a paid propaganda outlet of the, of the, the Russians with no evidence. To me, that's a different kind of point that you're making. Yes. But that's the defamation portion of it. What I find is that the Obamas, you know, the when when she came out with that ruling, it was just like, wow, she's basically saying you can't believe you can't believe anything that is on. Now, she didn't expand it to different, you know, news, even though she did make the claim that when you give an opinion that the audience doesn't there is no expectation of the audience that you are factual I would disagree with that analysis. There is. No, I highly disagree with that. I would disagree with the judge on that, that that, that is the expectation. Now, that may In fact, be, of all now, the people at right. MSNBC at that time, I would say she's the one that their audience looks to because they believe she's more capable. I mean, her, her ratings were high. Right. And they they look to her to bring them facts. That's what they thought they were getting. I have a. I, I actually was talking to a, a, an old old friend of mine, who told me, and I told this story a long time ago. And we get together every once in a while, every couple of years. But uh, I work with this person, and uh, she's liberal, mm-hmm. but you know we still keep in contact. And the only thing she ever watches, when the last time I talked to her a couple of years ago, the only thing she works like eighty hours a week, watches Rachel Maddow goes to sleep. Yeah, And I brought this up to her, and I said, you know, do you ever hear this? Dis- well, that's ridiculous. Rachel Maddow tells the truth. That's our point, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think she, the judge was yeah, completely yeah, off she, she She buys into if, if they if, if the interpretation, if you were to play it back, I mean, because you could say, uh, look, they're nothing, you know, the, word, the words literally and paid is where you draw yeah. the line. Yeah. If she had said, look, this is nothing but russian propaganda yeah then you could i could see the judge's point in saying she didn't mean it in the literal sense but she actually said the the word literally uh uh aoc mm-hmm. uh with her green new deal uh sounds like a propaganda arm of the old soviet union yes that's that's an opinion right right and then you can sit there and say okay what's communism communism is if I no, said is, is she's receiving right. checks on a regular basis from Vladimir Putin, right? That would be that would, right? That would be defamation at that point, right? I better be able right. to prove it, right? But I can still make my argument based on what communism is mm-hmm. that what I'm saying is still accurate, right? Yeah, she speaks like a communist. Right. <laughs> All right, eight six six ninety red eye. Most owner-operators leased to larger carriers are paid on a per-mile basis or a percentage of revenue per load. The per-mile basis is most prevalent among larger fleets. Percentage at smaller. Pay per mile tends to dominate discussions about pay just because it's easier to measure. And pay per mile often is wrongly used as the deciding factor in leasing to a carrier. While pay per mile can be a vital factor, it's not a cure for every ill. Nor does it mean a big settlement check is coming an owner-operator's way. Why? Because pay-per-mile always must be considered in balance with gross revenue as well as total costs. Gross revenue can include flat mileage pay, 
mileage pay that varies by length of haul, percentage revenue pay, and more. Most importantly, though, for every revenue dollar generated, only part of that dollar is profit. But for every extra dollar of cost saved, the entire dollar contributes to profit. Knowing and understanding your cost to operate is fundamental to understanding the true value of any pay package. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, so, looking at the analysis of the uh, yeah, yesterday of the whole uh, Durham report coming out, when you look at it in the, the the context of the the big picture of disinformation, because this is something that the Democrats have been passionate about. Yet, the most guilty party, you know, it's like when you we've talked about racism, the Democratic Party always screaming racism, and we've said this before. There has never been in the history of the United States any organization that had the power and the influence to affect public policy that was in favor of slavery and Jim Crow laws than the Democratic Party. Right. So when they speak today and they still abide by identity politics, which is they judge people by groups and not individuals, the racism, the systemic racism, the institutionalized racism exists today. It does exist but it's in the opposite place where you're being told to look. Hmm. It's right there in front of you and bluntly promoted by the Democratic Party. Disinformation, the same thing. Democrats screaming about disinformation. When you look at 2016 and you see what happened with the Russia collusion, all created by the Democrats. Same with the laptop. Same with COVID. We'll continue coming up. Catch our podcast every day. Download from your app store. Participation subject to IP manipulation and DNA extraction. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. So when you look at this, you know, there's so many, so many offshoots, so many tentacles of the of, of the Durham report that, you know, <laughs> we have gone over and will continue uh, to go over. But the one thing that sits in my mind is when you think about the whole disinformation campaign that has been promoted by the Democrats for years now, that disinformation is bad, 
yet they are the biggest purveyors of disinformation and censoring in American history and censoring the truth. Everything with the Democrats is the opposite. This could be a Seinfeld episode. Mm. Everything is the opposite of what they have said. But when you think about it, for three years, three years, uh, you talk about election interference, presidential interference. You had the Hillary campaign, the FBI, the CIA, and the media. But we know the Hillary campaign, the FBI, and the CIA all knew that everything was bogus from day one because they knew what Hillary was going to attempt to do. They all knew. And they went along with it anyway. Mm -hmm. And that's when we talk about the filthy rot in the management of the Department of Justice, which we believe still exists today. Oh, yeah. But you look at that piece of disinformation that the Democrats promoted for over three years, completely a lie. I, I do have one audio cut that I want to play here. We've got a couple of audio cuts, but this one applies to this. This is Kevin McCarthy talking yesterday. And, and we had said this, remember when they did, when they did their uh, uh, report, when uh, you had... Um, the Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee put out their report saying we don't see any intelligence, none, that says Trump colluded with the uh, the Russians or has any type of relationship with Putin. And that was Devin Nunes. And then, as you remember, the Democrats came out with theirs, which said, no, the evidence does exist in our intelligence that Trump colluded with the Russians and had a relationship with Putin. Adam Schiff promoted that. He was the head of the Democrats of the House Intelligence Committee, and he lied to the American public about what the intelligence said. Here is Kevin McCarthy blasting Adam Schiff yesterday. Well, a number of things. We're asking Durham to come in and testify so we can look at it more. It really raises the question about Adam Schiff. You remember when he told the American people he had proof? Remember when he told them he didn't know the whistleblower? And what he put America through and openly lied to us, and now it's proven in this as well, it raises a lot of questions about his, just his character, his standing inside of Congress, or whether he should be, even be in Congress. And if you listen to this show, you know we have talked about, you know, we're probably one of the first that said Adam Schiff is lying. Yeah. And, and, and it, then he, he, he created the exit right. ramp by going on The View and saying, Oh, well, the proof is the meeting at Trump Tower with the Russian lawyer Veselnitskaya and Donald Trump Jr., which that event had already been vetted by everyone in the media. He carried it on until he no longer needed it. And remember, he only used that on The View where he knew mm -hmm. they knew nothing about right. what was going on. They're, right. clu they're clueless. I can... I can lie here and say yep. what the evidence is. Exactly. <clears throat> and But you you look at that. So complete disinformation, lies for three years. Mm -hmm. Then you look at um, the laptop, where they lied about the laptop, and everybody was involved 
in BSing the American public. Mm -hmm. The Democrats, law enforcement, social media, the media in general, all were behind censoring the truth and promoting disinformation while at the same time claiming they were fighting against disinformation, they were doing the opposite. And the exact same thing with COVID. Yeah, I was going to say, we still don't have the origins of COVID. Yep. I saw a Reuters piece about this bat colony, and they said, you know, and then the question on the piece was, and it's a video piece, the question on the piece is, where will the next pandemic come from? And I said to you during the pre-show meeting, well, unless the bats are working in a lab. <laughs> but this is this is the world we live in. You know, they the left and the left media, oh, the disinformation, the disinformation. You mean the information that counters your narrative. But when you think about the disinformation and promoting the censoring of debate, you're talking about, number one, probably the biggest political dirty trick in American history with Hillary Clinton then being backed by the management of law enforcement in the United States, mm -hmm. knowing that it was false. Right. Comey knew that it was false. He had mm -hmm. been briefed on it in July mm -hmm. that Hillary was attempting to do this. Right. Did they investigate that part of it? Nope. Did they have any probable cause to go after Trump? Nope. Was there any, ever, any type of verifiable information? Nope. Look, when the... Um, when the Mueller investigation began, we were right again. We said at that time to, of course, liberal criticism, but we were right. And I'm not saying that as a way to, you know, say I have to, you know, you have to know that I'm right. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that it was so obvious that we knew that they had nothing. And, and that would have gone to, that was really, that was 2020. That was still the summer of, I'm sorry. 2020 2017 2027 <laughs> yeah sorry i'm getting covid mixed up with this uh that was the 2017 we knew that early on when they set a special counsel we knew at that point mm -hmm. they had no evidence and we right. set it all the way through and we were right they had no evidence mm -hmm. they never had any evidence and we said you know this is the path that they should go down and if the Mueller report and the Mueller investigation doesn't then you know it's just another partisan hack job which it ended up being. Well, remember how many on the left were angry that Mueller didn't, I guess, try harder? Because he found that yep. no Americans were involved <clears throat> in the whole thing. Yep. Remember that? Yep. And then it was like, it, and then the criticism came out, why is Mueller trying to protect Trump and the and the right? Why, why is this happening? They couldn't believe it. And the reason they couldn't believe it is because they had been sold these lies over and over again, and they saw it. As credible. And you you buy into it. If you're not following along, you buy into it and you see that, you know, the FBI director and then former FBI director and all that he test remember everything that Comey said during his testimony. Oh my gosh. This stuff. We you and I said it. If they were to make a movie about this, or actually it would have to be a series. It would go for 20 years. Netflix could do a series on this, and you could go step by step of how this played out. 
And here's a question. Remember when Rand Paul and others, you know, implied that he and others uh, that uh, during the whole unmasking thing, you know, he's he was wondering, okay, how far does this go uh, with the unmasking and and who are they monitoring and what are they doing? Are they spying on campaigns? My question would be, and I know that Durham didn't, that wasn't really the, the purpose of his investigation. But, man, I'd like to know more about all of that that happened. Because remember when this started, when it first began, you know, before the summer of 2016, there was, you know, a, a Trump was not even the presumptive nominee when a lot of this stuff goes back, you know, prior to and even in late 2015. So the question would be, all right, what other GOP candidates might have been under surveillance? And what plan would they have if it wasn't Trump and it was somebody else in 2016? How would that have gone? Now, you and I also look at the situation with 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 Trump and when he was uh, coming into office and the FBI sent two agents, including Peter Strzok, to talk to the incoming national security advisor, which Michael they, Flynn, which they weren't supposed to do, which they weren't supposed to do. And Comey actually admitted it that, oh, well, they were new. They didn't know that that you're supposed to send any kind of request like that to White House counsel. Basically saying we knew that we could take advantage of their inexperience and we did it. You think about it, too, because we've been talking about the Mueller report. Remember all the Democrats, but uh, obstruction of justice, obstruction of justice. Well, now when you're dealing with Comey, who is the person who may have been obstructing justice? Right. You think about it because Comey knew. Mm -hmm. Comey knew that it was all bogus. He knew the Hillary campaign was trying to set it up and he decided to continue that narrative. You want obstruction of justice right there. Yep. And. And this, uh, Andrew McCarthy wrote this, it says, uh, the Trump investigation was a noticeable departure from how it approached uh, uh, prior uh, matters involving possible attempted foreign election interference plans aimed at the Clinton campaign. Nevertheless, former FBI Director James Comey would continue to reference the entirely unsupported P-tape in interviews. Even though the investigations found no support for the campaign-created story, in a 2018 interview, Comey delighted viewers by saying, honestly, I never thought these words would come out of my mouth, but I don't know whether the current president of the United States was with prostitutes peeing on each other in Moscow in 2013, end of quote. The FBI was assisted in this effort by members of Congress on the House Intelligence Committee. Uh, even when the false narrative was played out and a lack of support was becoming obvious, former House Intelligence Chair Adam Schiff of California assured the public in March 13th of 2018 that I can certainly say with confidence that there is significant evidence of collusion between the campaign and Russia. That was an absolute lie by Adam Schiff. And by 2018, Comey knew exactly what was going on. And Comey knew the entire time that the Hillary campaign was attempting to set up the Trump campaign. Comey knew that. 
a higher loyalty, my posterior. Yeah, higher loyalty to himself right. and but, his agenda. But when you and and you you know you you and I were talking before, and you said, hey, you know, uh, Trump can now sit back and look. And we had said this by the way a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Trump can when we knew when the Durham report started coming out. Trump can come out and say, hey, why shouldn't I be suspicious at every election? The Democrats are trying to interfere with. Look at the last two. Look at 2016 and look at 2020. Yep. Where was the election interference? Where was the election interference there? Remember, the Democrats went crazy over $100,000 of Facebook ads by the Russians. Right. Now, you know, okay, compare that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Compare that to Russia collusion and and compare that uh, to... um, uh, the uh, the 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 lap the lap not the, yeah the, I almost said the laptop leak theory mm. <laughs> <laughs> the the Hunter Biden's laptop you want election yeah. interference yeah. it's owned by the Democrats oh yeah and owned by the liberals in that were in the management of law enforcement in the United States Comey betrayed his oath yeah absolutely. That's where the he betrayed the agents, the very agents that he said he was there to protect. Yep, the real agents that do the work, including two that said this white paper looks crazy. Eight six six ninety red eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety red eye. Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Carley. Coming up following the uh, top of the uh, hour, we'll hear from uh, Alan Dershowitz, a right. well-known hmm. liberal mm-hmm. uh, yeah. legal mind uh, hmm. on, uh, on the entire uh, Durham uh, report. And uh, <laughs> he's loving this because, and my book, and my book, and my book. And mm-hmm. my book get Trump, and my book get Trump, and it's like <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> you see every interview he leads with that. Well, in my book, and in my book, and in my yeah. book, I'm like, okay, you may you may be a liberal, but yeah. you're a capitalist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to make sure he gets that in, every... if you really want to read what I what I think, then uh, my book <laughs> is available. I, I'm going to tease you a little bit here, yeah. but you can get all the information if you buy my book. Exactly. <laughs> You know, it, there will be, I mean, we talked about Ball of Collusion from McCarthy. You know, you, you're going to think you have to follow it up, don't you? Ball of Collusion 2.0. I think so. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. 
I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen to when and where you want. I said when, where. Yeah, okay. I got it covered. When and where. That's, yeah. That's uh, uh, no. That that covers it just about all. <laughs> Anywhere, anytime. Uh, maybe not in church, though. I would avoid yes. it in yes. church. Or, or in a courtroom. <laughs> Definitely not in court. So most places, <laughs> most anytime. Yes. <laughs> all right, I want to play this audio cut. All right. Uh, this goes goes back to 2018, Representative Adam Schiff on Face the Nation. Mm. Okay, it's important that we bring all this back because there are still some politicians that don't understand that the internet exists. <laughs> Adam Schiff is apparently one of them. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Can you agree that there has been no evidence of collusion coordination or conspiracy that has been presented thus far between the Trump campaign and Russia? Uh, no, I don't agree with that at all. I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy in plain sight. Now, that's... I don't have to go any further, do in I? In plain sight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just think about this. He knows there's nothing back there in 2018. He knows there's nothing. Yeah. And oh, what, yeah. And what he was trying to say... I, I'm the head of the House Intelligence Committee. I've seen the intelligence... Knowing that the intelligence didn't show it, what what are you thinking? If you're Adam Schiff, do you think are you thinking like when you're a member of the media? I don't care if I get caught in a lie because people will keep voting me into office because there's an expect there's the Rachel Maddow expectation that I'm going to lie and everybody expects me to lie and therefore lying has no consequences because he knows he's lying. I. I- I guess part of it is that he thought he would never have to answer the question directly. What is the evidence? Uh, also, part of it is that they believed that there would be a removal from office at some point. But if you're going to bet on that, knowing it's bogus, but that was going to be the basis for removal from office... Well, you know you've got to take that all the way. I mean, it's you're going to go through uh, the impeachment process and then over in the Senate, the trial. You're going to have to present evidence. Yeah, they and And you're, they never you're, never, going to, you're never going to walk through that. I mean, you know, we go back to the day that uh, Mueller essentially testified from his report, on his report. It was so horrible because he found nothing. Remember, too, not long after that, he stepped up to the podium and said, well, I I couldn't do anything, but my friends on Capitol Hill can still do something. He knew in that moment there was nothing. Yeah. And I think the reason he looked, uh, here's one theory I have. As to why he looked so nervous on that day. And remember, I mean, he was, he looked nervous. Is because he was wondering if at some point they would go all the way back to when he was at the FBI 
and other things and uncover. I mean, this is my this is my concern. And it should be everybody's concern. How long was this go this kind of behavior going on? How how embedded was it? How embedded was that culture? Because I would have a hard time believing that it just popped up in 2015, 2016. No, I mean, that's the one point. To create a culture, you know, Jonathan Turley talked about the conspiracy, and I'm not saying that there weren't people that conspired together. Right. But for the most part, to get as wide as you did, as the number of people that were involved in it in order to get to that point, they never all held a meeting together. Right. Part of it was... Part of it, probably conspiracy. Part of it, the culture that we can do wrong. Mm -hmm. The IRS, Lois Lerner, Mm -hmm. I can do wrong. I can do this. It's part of the culture, and a culture doesn't happen overnight. And I think that's a totally legit question. How far does it go where you have so many people in government saying, I don't have to live up to my sworn oath. I don't have to really be a law enforcement officer, I'm a political activist. How do you create and how long does it uh, take to create a culture where whether you're in law enforcement, intelligence, whatever, you say to hell with my oath, I'm a political activist and that's the only reason that I'm here. Now we've seen where it has gone. We've seen the culture has gone into uh, for example, uh, 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 Bragg in in uh, you know in in um, New York in in New York, mm-hmm. we've seen uh, the uh, the district attorneys that won't prosecute. That's part of the culture. Mm-hmm. That's not a conspiracy. That's a culture. That's a culture of liberalism. Well, Sotomayor oh, oh. on and she forgot mm-hmm. that that she was being recorded and talking about the role of judges and justices yes. on the bench. That goes back what fifteen years? Yeah. So, you know, that's because you and I have been doing this so long. We know that the culture was there. The question is, how far did it go in terms of the actions, in terms of how they played the system in order to make it work in their favor? Uh, Let's play this audio cut. This is Gerald Nadler. Okay, here we go uh, from 2017 talking about Trump and Russia collusion. Then we need to know if anyone was involved. Trump today tweeted, it's commonly agreed after many months of costly looking, there was no collusion between well, Russia and Trump. That's simply Our- a lie. It is not commonly agreed. Mm-hmm. There was obviously a lot of collusion. The question is how high in- Every day we... Every day. Every so often we get new information uh, about involvement. He knew he was lying at that time. Yeah. In fact, Trump was saying there's no evidence of collusion. And... <laughs> Nadler, he's he's lying. Right. No, you're lying. We now know you lied, and right. you lied all along. And it's just in uh, the you know the the media and the same thing. Remember when the uh, Manafort indictment came down, the day it came down, and Trump was tweeting, uh, "This is you know this is." There, There is no collusion here. This didn't happen. And the New York Times reporter that wrote, Trump was tweeting no collusion 
when the Justice Department was was actually proving that they were there was collusion. The Manafort thing had nothing to do with that. No, nothing. I remember that. Yeah, Here's but Sen- they used anything yeah. and everything in order to carry the lie forward. Here's Senator Richard Blumenthal in. Democratic Senator uh, uh, Blumenthal in 2018. It's a Watergate moment. Connecticut's Richard Blumenthal was the only Senate Democrat willing to go there. Every single remedy, including indictment of the president, should be on the table. And this was all on Russia collusion. And Richard Blumenthal knew he was lying. They all know that they were lying. Uh, here, this goes back to, again, 2018. This is uh, DNC chair Tom Perez. Here we go. On a certain level, this is worse than Watergate because the Saturday Night Massacre, he kept firing Senate-confirmed people until he found uh, Bork, who was a Senate-confirmed person, uh, to do this. That was all on Russia collusion hoax, too. I mean, it's just like... And then they got a bunch of they got a ton of Swalwell, same thing. All, all lies. Yeah. Meanwhile, his girlfriend is floating balloons over Montana. <laughs> I mean, this is it, honestly <laughs> that may be viewed as a Rachel Maddow opinion. <laughs> yeah, sue me. Please take me to court on that. All right, let's get to Dershowitz here. Uh, This is uh, Dershowitz yesterday uh, talking about the Durham report. Uh, What the Durham report shows is that there was an absolute double standard, that they had far more evidence to go after Hillary Clinton, who I voted for and who's my friend, who I supported and who I contributed to. But the report says there was far more objective, verified intelligence to open up an investigation of Hillary Clinton than it was to open up an investigation of Donald Trump, but that people in the FBI and other agencies of government saw the evidence through the prism of bias against Trump and in favor of Clinton. And it wasn't only partisan bias. There were Republicans as well who were very concerned, and I understand why, Mm -hmm. very concerned that if Trump were elected, it would harm the national security of the United States. And so they were prepared to stretch the law, stretch the facts, stretch the Constitution, and do whatever it took to do what they believe was the right thing, namely make sure that Trump was not elected president. There you go. And I don't believe they were, I, this is where I disagree with them, I don't believe that they believe they were right people doing the right thing. No. They knew, they knew what they were no, doing. No, no, was, no, no, no. They, 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 knew, they knew what they were doing yeah, was yeah, wrong, right, and they were... Yeah. For example, Comey was, you know, absolutely, uh, absolutely lying. And as we have stated before, uh, this is the thing. Let's radicalize Trump across the board where Trump, when you look at Trump on the issues, extremely, extremely middle, middle of the road. The radicals, you see it. Well, you see the radicals now. You see what the radicals are attempting oh, to yeah. do. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. You see, think, what- think about Think about everything right now on the table, on the plate. In the agenda for the left. Right. Oh, my gosh. The Department of Justice, the re- maybe what, the reason we haven't heard from Merrick Garland is because he's busy suing states fighting for the right for children 
to have genital mutilation surgery. He's a little busy right now. I mean, that's where the left is. It is insane. When you put this into context, it's like, well, yeah, this is exactly who they are. Comey said it when he was testifying. Now, he was talking about, at the time, Michael Flynn. Yeah, well, we sent a couple of agents over to talk to him. They didn't know they were supposed to have White House counsel involved. They didn't know it had to be cleared. We just sent the agents. We just did what we do. Well, that same mindset in in the summer of 2016, knowing Hillary was going to do this, no, this is going to be a, a great strategy. This is a political strategy. The Trump campaign, they're a bunch of amateurs. Trump is an amateur. He doesn't know how it works inside the Beltway. You know, when he was talking about the swamp, it originally was about the establishment GOP. As Turley wrote, Jonathan Turley, one thing missing in the aftermath of the Durham report is the one thing that would establish a clear commitment to reform from the FBI and the Department of Justice. An apology from Clinton, Comey, members of Congress, and others could apologize to the American people, and yes, even to Trump. That, of course, will never happen. Attorney General Merrick Garland, in releasing a report that concluded this investigation should have never occurred, made no statement whatsoever. Thus, Durham was left throwing haymakers in an empty political boxing ring, and those who perpetuated the scandal on the nation are left to carry on making money on books, speeches, TV, commentary, lectures about political or electoral ethics. The media, meanwhile, is offering little more than a shoulder shrug and more spin. So in the relative silence of the media coverage, following the report's release, Durham can contemplate the ultimate zen-like question. If a 305-page report proves a concerted political hoax, but no one is there to read it, doesn't make a difference. Right. Well, the American public knows about it. Mm -hmm. No, the truth is there. The American public knows about it. It's whether the American to me, it's actually whether the American public cares. Right. Yeah, we kind of touched on that, I guess, Monday night. And And I think a significant portion of Democrats are okay with it. Oh, yeah. No, you're not hearing the outrage. Yep, nope. You're not hearing because it, it, it shouldn't matter how you vote. This should scare the hell out of you. This kind of behavior should scare the hell out of you. Remember election night, 2016. Hillary went home. She threw a fit at her election headquarters in New York and then went home. Imagine you put all of this into it. You had everybody working for you. The FBI, the media, CIA. It was a done deal. But they knew something. Their internals were showing even before Election Day, a couple of days before, they were showing. You're going to have problems in Pennsylvania and other states where you think you're going to win and the numbers are coming back, you may not win, and she didn't. Well, what this also proves is the Democrats really don't care 
about election interference. No, they do not. They really don't. They do, they do not. not. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Red Eye Radio, he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You were just uh, saying uh, during the break there, off the air, that you know we've been covering this now for almost six and a half years, and so we have a lot to say on it now that we know what the truth is. I mean, we knew what the truth was, but this is the official truth, and you're not going to see Democrats really go through the minutiae of what Durham says. They will just dismiss it but it's out there for the american public Mm -hmm. and that's the one thing we said can't control what the american public does can't control what prosecutors decide to do you can't even control jurors when juries say well oh yeah okay yeah maybe the fbi agent lied but there are bigger problems that we have today right than him you know than a lawyer lied to the fbi yeah so what i say fbi agent Oh, uh, the lawyer. Yes, I'm I don't, sorry. Uh, these days, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> who's working for who. Uh, Thank they, you for correcting Anybody me, yeah. at Twitter, right. if they're still working for the FBI. Or FBI or, yeah. Right. So you, <laughs> so you can't control any of that. The thing that you can hope for is that the truth is released to the American mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. and the American people make the right judgment. The American people don't always make the right judgment. No. But that's the best that you can hope for. And the truth is out there. We now know what the truth is. We know that everything in the Russia collusion was set up by the Hillary campaign. Russia collusion was created and funded by the Hillary campaign. The FBI, the intelligence services, the outgoing administration all knew what Hillary was doing and decided that that would become their narrative too. The filthy rot exists still today. In management, I believe, of the Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Yeah. We're not talking about the regular agents. We know a number of them, dozens of them, have come forward as whistleblowers, as we know, right. over the last, uh, well, since the Republicans have actually been in uh, in office. Right. You know, since they've taken the House. Mm-hmm. and But the rot is still in there in, in government. It exists today, but at least... The truth is there. Yep. It's what we decide as the American public to do with the truth. Right. to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. Beer update. Let's go to to the Red Eye Radio beer news, breaking beer news 
desk with Gary yeah. McNamara. <laughs> Anheuser-Busch plans to temporarily redesign some of its Bud Light and Budweiser packaging as it scrambles to recover from the Dylan Mulvaney fiasco. The New York Post has learned last week the company held a meeting at its U.S. headquarters in St. Louis with distributors to discuss the strategy for dealing with the backlash. I would I would have suggested uh, putting the word Coors on the can. <laughs> well, don't not maybe not Miller Lite because now Miller Lite's caught up in the controversy. You know that's interesting because the Miller Lite ad campaign actually came out before the HUD whole Bud Light. Thing. I know. Now this was an online ad only because there's performance. Yeah. we can't play the ad. And the Miller Lite came out and said, "Guys, it was humor. It was just it was humor. You know, we didn't expect anything to really come of it. We're talking about worm poop." Well, and, and and what the ad is, it's it's a uh, a woman talking about how women have been exploited in beer commercials, basically. including their own back in the day, yeah. right? Including their own back. In, in fact, the first poster they hold up is yeah. Farrah Fawcett, right? It's like, and, and why, it, my question is, if if you're really concerned about it, why are you still showing that image to me now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> By the way, all my friends had the Farrah Foster posters. Farrah in, Fawcett poster, yeah. I said I, Foster. I said Foster. <laughs> Foster poster. Yeah. Farrah Foster, I said. Yeah. Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> Farrah Foster was also Farrah a Fawcett model, but poster, but not as uh, but not as popular. I just I didn't think of, I never thought I never thought it was this incredibly seductive photo. I just never did. The I, one where she's wearing the one piece bathing suit. Yeah. No, I had that one and Did you? Yeah, I just I it didn't it wasn't it was a one-piece bathing suit. <laughs> that was, though, what, I believe, the top-selling poster of all time? Was it? I think of a yeah. woman. I think it was. Well, you. I bought 20, so. <laughs> but, and and so, um, you know, and they, they talked about how, you know, women were some of the first creators of beer and all this. And, yeah, and now and, we're going to help but, support uh, uh, female Owned breweries or something. Right. They're going to raise money by selling. We're going to, if you have any of the old advertisement propaganda, advertisement, you know, the posters, whatever, send them in. We're going to turn them into mulch and then that we're going to well, raise money. And one of the thoughts I had is, and, and maybe we can help here a little bit. Yeah. Uh, is, is, uh, why do these companies have so so much trouble and problems uh marketing a liquid drug yeah. right it's a legal drug you know you can make for this those 21 and older you can make this you can make it universal mm-hmm. you can sit there and you can say look we're not going to we're not going to have the we're not going to exploit women we're not going to uh, exploit women with uh women prancing around scantily clad uh, drinking beer so men will drink it. Because we all know that if you have 10 of these beers and you're a guy, all mm-hmm. women will look better. And if you're a woman, all men will look better. So it really doesn't matter. We don't need this exploitation. We also know that if you drink that brand, the women in the commercial will, will show up at your party. That's the way it works, right? <laughs> you're right. You know why? Because it's always the that's you got a point there. 
because if you're if you got the ice cold brew, the women are all over the place. Mm-hmm. But if it's hard liquor, it's always you know dark tone colors, and you're alone, and a bunch of guys and, sitting and, around and, with and, other guys, yeah, smoking maybe, cigars, smoking cigars, you know, yeah. leather chairs, and right. you know, dark sort of uh, you know library looking yeah. type of background. That's Lots no, of facial hair, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. no fun. And the guys have facial hair too. <laughs> you know the commercial they should they should do uh, all these homely guys sitting around. That's what I was a beer company right now. Yeah, all these homely guys sitting around. You know, really nerdy with Just glasses. A, a very and, realistic right, commercial. Right. And and so the one guy comes in. He says, you know, comes in. and goes, I got the beer. And all of a sudden, all these women show up at the door. Yeah. <laughs> And then they're sitting there. They don't have any beer left. All the women have a beer. They have none. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, dude, why did you have to say it so loud? <laughs> yeah. And they say, bye, thanks for the beer. Yeah, thanks for the beer. And then they go out, all the all the hunky guys are waiting in the car for yeah, them to right. come back in. <laughs> hey, you bring one for me? Yeah. No, that would be great. No, I or a very realistic, you know. You just you walk in with the the six pack, you got all the bills on the table, you know they're stacking up, you know, yeah, but had a little money for beer. I can I can have a few beers or, while I while I uh, shred my bills, or maybe truth in advertising. <laughs> yeah, so it's just just the owner of the beer company sitting there saying, "Hey, we make good beer." You get really wasted if you have six of them, but we're low in carbs, so you won't gain weight. Yeah. We're the healthy get-wasted alternative. Yeah. I mean, just a little bit of honesty or the American public. Hey, look, if you're drinking alcohol, do you really care about the carbs? <laughs> you're just pretending like you care about the carbs, and you know it. So... <laughs> I mean, we make the low-carb beer, and, you know, but that's all for advertisement. You know the deal. Have the owner of the company right there saying, look, we're marketing this for people that pretend they want to lose weight, but you still want to get wasted. And look, our beer, it ain't going to get you the chicks. Well, you but- know, we can offer you inebriation, and that's about it. Well, because it implies that, See, I, you can show off with our beer because it makes you look healthier. <laughs> yeah, but you're still holding a beer. The women will like you because the virtue signal there is that I'm healthy. I'm a healthy person. I think about my health. I watch what I eat. I watch what I drink. Yeah, but the women are also in a bar. <laughs> They're also drinking. <laughs> They don't care. They don't <laughs> care. I do remember when I first was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. and I was at the uh, the marina restaurant around mm-hmm. the corner from me. Mm-hmm. And I met, I told this guy, and <laughs> I'm not kidding, this guy that, I, that used to be there all the time, and he had a boat and everything. Um, he, he got a boat, and he, he wouldn't. He, I, I think I told this on the air. You know what he wanted to call the boat? Hmm. C S E A Alice C Alice, uh, I get it. And then he decided not to because 
he was in his 60s and didn't want women to get the wrong opinion of him. That he, I swear to God, the guy told me that. That's too late. You already told everybody at the bar that you were going to do it. <laughs> I know. So but, they already think but, that of you. You might as well I, go ahead. I remember telling him, I'm a type 2 diabetic, so I, you know, I got to watch carbs. And he says, oh, so am I. <laughs> Vodka and soda with a lime. No carbs. <laughs> like, oh, you did research on this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of alcohol has no carbs. <laughs> Like, oh, wow, so I can drink healthy. The problem is... Can I drink a lot healthy? The problem is later when you say to the Uber driver, hey, we're stopping at Whataburger on the way. (laughs) Nine double cheeseburgers. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Come on, we're Americans. We should be able to sell liquid drugs. This isn't rocket science without having all this controversy. Just be truthful. It's hey, alcohol. Listen, it's beer. It gets you drunk. You're having a beer. Drink responsibly. You're <laughs> drinking alcohol. That's like the gambling ads. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you're a moron if you drive after you drink. Right. Uber, Lyft, a friend, hitchhike, something. But it's beer. We're not going to show this poster in ads anymore as they walk by all the we're not doing that anymore hey could you <laughs> slow down could you slow down <laughs> i'm trying to take it all in <laughs> or, or make it a that's make, actually what made it funny to me or, or or make it make it a that's true because when they did show the poster but they're showing the poster but you're showing the but poster. That, that'd be a good ad though mm. all right there's all this controversy about beer and how we should advertise it so we're going to take a vote would yeah. you rather we advertise just telling you, hey, it's beer and it gets you drunk? Or should we sell our beer with a poster like this and show a woman in a bikini and put it down? Or a man, some lifeguard guy in a bathing suit, or a guy like this, or both. You decide. Yeah. Have fun. It's beer. And you can vote simply by purchasing the product. <laughs> and everybody's, well, how does that work? We'll tell you later. <laughs> I mean, it's like we're 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 America. What are yeah. we, what are we, why is it? Don't make it controversial, you idiots in the marketing departments selling beer. It's beer, right? I mean, it took years for a buddy of mine to figure out that Dos Equis wasn't about porn. <laughs> it's like. No, dude. It's just two X's on the bottle. That's 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 all it is. <laughs> and by the way, though, I have never seen the smartest, most interesting person in the room surrounded by women in bikinis. Right. That usually has a woman sitting next to him. The most interesting man in the world. Yeah, you know, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's... But she's not wearing a bikini. Okay, I thought some that were. It's, it's a classy because it's. Oh, were there, were there? But there may have been. Maybe maybe yeah, I there were. There, I thought there were a couple. Yeah, I I remember the one yeah. where he's like sitting at looks like a bar, you know, like a table, like at a restaurant or something. And he's sitting there, and then there's. I remember looking at it the first time. I said, "You're old and worn." <laughs> yeah, the most interesting men in the world. Wow. 
uh, we're going to sell beer beer with sophistication. No, That's but they right. were they, they, actually they were really good ads. Oh no, they were great. Oh, they were great ads because everybody remembers it. The most interesting man in the world. Well, That's... yeah, I wrote. They were they were saying write us a line that we can use in the ad. You know, and I think it was a contest, and they were doing it on social media, and I I said. <laughs> I wrote, he's the the most interesting man in the world. On Valentine's Day, flower companies send him boxes of women. <laughs> <laughs> or chocolate. I, I, I like wrote that. two different ones. <laughs> chocolate companies send him boxes of women. And it didn't no. get any attention. Apparently, that's wrong to say that. Yeah, but it's a joke. Yeah, it's the whole point. Oh, I forgot. We can't joke. You can't laugh. No. And then, really? Because you're selling beer. Well, we talked about that earlier. That's the problem in Japan right now. Mm. They wore their masks for so long that they forgot how to smile. Yeah. By the way, I'm not. that's not a racial joke. That's a true story that we no, did this, earlier this in the show. Actually it's is, actually a true it's story. A true story. They have these. Uh, I feel they, like we've been covering the whole Russian hoax thing for so long. I'm forgetting how to smile. Yeah. Actually, a true story. It's, they have smile counselors. Yeah, they have smile in coaches. Japan. Right, smile coaches. Hey, you in the back? Come on, drop and give me twenty <laughs> smiles. I want to see it. That's not a smile. That looks like you got your finger caught in a door. Yes, we were. That was not a racial slur. We're not. No, we were not trying to stereotype uh, the Japanese and say that they don't smile. <laughs> no, no, it's a true story. It's a true apparently. story. 86690 Red Eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. New polling on illegal immigration. Mm. 57% right. of Americans say illegal immigration is getting worse. Mm. 66% say the border is in crisis. So so I guess some Americans are thinking it's bad already. It just hasn't got worse. That's why 66% believe it's in crisis. Yeah, right. So That's two out of three. So we will... Get to that. Plus, uh, Elon Musk speaking said remote work is BS and morally wrong. I don't know if it's morally wrong. <laughs> I would just say it's quite often not as productive. It depends on the individual but and the job. Well, when I saw the headline, one of the headlines was, Elon Musk warns about the economy. I went, mm. well, I've got a warning for the economy. Probably we shouldn't be producing automobiles that people don't want, that you need to have the government subsidize. Yeah. Probably isn't the way that you should run yes. a business. Right. Just just a thought. thought. But... This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.
now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. 866-90-RED-EYE. All right, quickly, let's uh, talk about the uh, debt ceiling. Well, the great thing about that question is we've already had to take a default off the table because the House Republicans passed a bill that raised the debt ceiling, limited our future spending, uh, saved taxpayers' money by being able to pull back um, unspent money and waste and actually grow our economy by making our economy stronger and helping lifting people out of poverty into work. And so those are the parameters we'll talk about. You know, it's uh, it's a, a tough problem, and I saw, was it uh, Karine Jean-Pierre yesterday? Well, if Congress would do their job, well, then you're talking about the Democrats in the Senate. Right. Because the Republicans have they did planned their that job. they're willing to negotiate. Oh, and she did say, well, the president's a good negotiator. He knows how to negotiate. <laughs> so, like, well, and, and there was a story, here it is, Washington Post, negotiators see progress on debt ceiling as Biden's liberal allies worry. Mm-hmm. And they worry that he'll be viewed as compromising to the Republicans well, no, this, I, by it, negotiating. You know what was weird is I was actually thinking that uh, over this past weekend. I thought to myself, can you negotiate? Politically, can you on the left? And he's the leader of the party. Can you get away with negotiating with the GOP in the House? Can you get away with bending at all? If you give up anything. Doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. You give up anything, you're going to be seen as working with the GOP. Now, there's that political back and forth, and you see that from conservatives. Hey, don't give in. Don't give up anything. And. No, I'm 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 with you on that, but that's not what I'm talking about. Talk about the the left now, and you can't give up anything at all. You can't work with the GOP at all. Now, a lot of that comes from, I believe, uh, the fact that that uh, they believed that they had won the argument, the conversation, forever. They thought it was going to be, you know, a walk in the park. They were going to be able to control everything. Well, not the case. It has never been the case. Remember, uh, you bring it up sometimes, but we'll introduce it here. Obama in 2008 wins, and then the media, the GOP, the GOP may never win the White House again. Yeah, they will. <laughs> yeah, I let's get that, the way back that, machine. That was in 2015 and early 2016. I, I think it was a, I think it was the summer of 2016 mm. when they were saying that that. Uh, no, you know, you're right. The, they were saying it as late as 2016. Yeah, right. I was the summer of 2016. Yeah, where because of of uh, of of you know with Trump and everything else and the changing mm-hmm. demographics. Right. That uh, that the Republicans they don't see how the Republicans will ever win a presidential election again. Right. How they can ever do it. Right. 
and and then Trump wins. And those, you know, those are the things where then it is all out war. The reason when we talk about the Durham report and the fact that, uh, you know, Democrats, the rank and file, they're not really upset at what was discovered here through this report, what was revealed, if you're not following, haven't been following along. The reason they're not outraged by that kind of behavior is because they condone it. Mm-hmm. Anything to get the job done. And I, you know, so you, you look at the debt ceiling thing, compromise. I mean, it's going to go one. Look, they're either going to each side is going to give something up. Because they're not going to let it go to the end. It's not going to, that's not going to happen. Each side will give something up. Well, yeah, we, we knew that. Mm -hmm. And McCarthy even said that last week. But the, but the left, I'm guessing does not, especially the far left, doesn't want any compromise with the GOP. How dare you work with the GOP? Uh, McCarthy also said the scope of the debt ceiling talks are improving. I have no idea what that means. God, it's, but yeah, we'll, yeah, do they have we'll framework? Now, yeah, now I will tell you this though: the one compromise they already made is that the president is cutting his trip short. Hmm. The pressure is on, and that's the thing with the with the Democrats continue to say that uh, <clears throat> uh, you know they the 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 White House said Congress needs to do their jobs. Mm-hmm. And McCarthy says, well, we've done our job. We're the House. We've done our job. We've passed a bill. There is no reason. There is no, you know, we already have a bill that takes default off the table. Right. Uh, Democrats haven't voted on anything in the House. And uh, the president doesn't wish to negotiate. So we've done our part. This is how the system works. We came up with the ideas that we want. The Democrats and the Senate have done nothing, and the president has done nothing. Mm-hmm. And now the president's going on a trip, and he doesn't seem to be concerned about it, and we're here willing to talk every day. From a debate point of view of <laughs> making points, <laughs> have a point. Uh, McCarthy is winning this. Yeah. And that's why you see the president cutting back on his on his trip. Mm-hmm. Because he can't be gone with this sitting there. And I don't know how many times McCarthy's been asked, well, how do you, you know, uh, what are you going to do uh, if uh, the default happens? Because nothing we can do. We have our def- we have a plan that will stop the default. The Democrats won't do anything. They just so. Right. You know, we're expecting some type of negotiation because we and you can't win the message. The American public knows the difference is now. And I'm still not sure what will happen if default happens Mm -hmm. as to whether Republicans will get blamed. But Republicans aren't being blamed at the moment. It seems like all the pressure is on the Democrats because the American public believes that we need to cut spending as long as we don't cut what they like. But they understand we need to cut spending. But just don't cut my thing. Cut his thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
but at least the American public knows what the right thing is to do. Yeah. As long as sure. it doesn't affect them. Right. So they actually stand behind the Republicans more that look, yeah, we've charged the credit card too high and uh, you know, just and that's how you explain it. Well, if you're gonna have an increase, I just don't get an increase in my credit line <clears throat> unless the bank knows that I have the availability of revenues to to pay it, but the bank would never allow me just to pay interest payments only indefinitely on the debt. Right. And so we need to be responsible in our spending. You can't lose that argument with the American public. They all know it. They're all most Americans are dealing with their budgets right now. Mm-hmm. And it's not a fun thing. And so when you bring it up and the Democrats, I mean, you can make the point as a Republican, the Democrats in the Senate don't care. They're not doing a thing. Where's their plan? Right. Don't have one. Right. <clears throat> they haven't floated anything. No. No. And I'm I, I'm wondering if they're waiting He's, if they don't want to get burned by Biden, <clears throat> right? They come up with something, then all of a sudden the White House says, Well, no, we're not doing that. I mean, he's recently thrown his own party under the bus. Let me throw this at you if the president isn't going to deal. Do you think that a deal could be that, okay, we'll give you what you want for six months? You have a debt extension. You say you're going to cut. Let's see the cuts. If the cuts aren't there, then we don't do it again in six months. Where you set the table, where you give them... You give the Democrats, I'm just throwing this out, I'm not saying I'm advocating this. Mm-hmm. I'm just go, going through possibilities, because I want, I, I, I would want, I know cuts have to be made. There is no other way we can go. But when you're dealing with the politics of it, if they come out and say, okay, you know, the president said he's serious. So we're going to see if he is serious about cutting in the budget and the budget negotiations over the next six months or eight months. And so we'll give him a trillion dollars that will take us to, oh, I don't know. Uh, um, Next Wednesday. <laughs> we'll, we'll take us to uh, November of this year. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see what kind of budget we can put together and whether the Democrats truly wish to cut like they claim they do. And if they don't, then the negotiations will be much tougher next time. But we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I just wonder if that is the ultimate fallback position for the Republicans, where they would say, look, we said we'll give you a clean, you know, trillion or 700 billion, whatever it would be, whatever you come up with that would take you another six months to see if the Democrats are serious about cutting. They claim they are. They don't want to attach it. We'll give it. We'll compromise. We're not going to give you something that's going to take you through the 24 election. We want America to know that you're serious about you know fiscal sanity so we'll give it to you for six months till november just throwing it out just throwing it out well because because you are giving them what they want a clean bill just raise the debt ceiling you're just not giving them the amount of the debt ceiling that they want and then you're saying we're hmm. we're going to take to the we're going to take it to the american people then we're going to hold you to this promise that you are willing to cut otherwise next time there will be no compromise. You have to cut, and we'll have the evidence right 
to present to the American people because they'll all remember this conversation that we're having right now. And if they don't remember it, we'll remind them of it over and over again over the next six months. I wondered if that's the ultimate fallback position for the Republicans. Yeah, I think you go eight months. Eight months, yeah. Yeah. Six months. The time frame is, you know. Right. Well, so they would take the it reason to, is is, is take, that right, right in, take it into January. Take it year. into January right. of next year. You get beyond the Christmas season. You get beyond right. the and you've got the full attention and you're well into at that point the primary season for the GOP. But you're well into the campaigning season for Biden if he's still well, running. And and you're in the campaign season for the Senate mm-hmm. and the House. Yep. Yeah, and no, so, this, and, and I mean so that's you, that's been you know the word is is that what is what the GOP wants. They don't want to. They don't want anything that would take them that would take it past November of twenty four. That they really do want to have to revisit this at some point in early twenty four. Well, because the trillion and a half will take us till what? I don't know. I haven't seen a date on the trillion and a half increase in the in the debt ceiling. Uh I think somebody. Somebody did put an estimate to that, and I want to say it was eight or ten months. Oh, okay. Yeah. That they said because, no later than well, like March the, of next because year. Because the next thing you do is you, mm-hmm. you, you, make the, you make it a campaign issue yeah. for the House and Senate and even right. the presidency. And that's where the pressure is. Right. And the Senate has to be more active because the Democrats will be fighting for their life in the senate yep, i mean absolutely. there is yep. you look at the numbers right now in the senate mm-hmm. races in in 24 and it, and right now it favors the gop and so democrats will want to uh, try and become centered <laughs> especially adam schiff running in california <laughs> <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. Drivers should be familiar with how their actions affect their motor carrier's compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA score, in the seven basic categories. The driver fitness score is based on the physical and medical qualifications of drivers. The vehicle maintenance category requires drivers to know how to inspect CMVs and secure cargo. Hours of service compliance relies on drivers keeping accurate records of duty and abiding by hours of service limits. The unsafe driving category is affected by unsafe driving behaviors such as failing to wear a seatbelt or obey traffic laws. Drivers should understand the drug and alcohol prohibitions to prevent hurting their carrier's controlled substances and alcohol basic score. And drivers who transport hazmat must know how to safely transport hazardous materials according to the regulations. The final basic category, crash prevention, is based on how many crashes a motor carrier has been involved in. So drivers must know how to drive safely to avoid crashes. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
Red Eye Radio. He's Eric. I'm Gary. A new poll has revealed a majority of Americans say the situation at the southern border is a crisis and that illegal immigration issue in the country is only getting worse. The poll conducted by Rasmussen found 66% of Americans think the situation at the southern border in which illegal immigration has spiked to historic levels under the Biden's uh, tenure is a crisis. 22% said the situation wasn't a crisis. That's about the number of far-left liberals that we have that are open border in this country. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they don't see it as a crisis because it's exactly what they want. The Biden administration doesn't look at this as a crisis. They view the border is secure because they're they want what's happening yeah. to happen. Their bogus process is being followed, therefore everything is on the up and up. No problem here. Uh among political parties, and this is a problem that Democrats have. Democrats were more likely to say that the situation isn't a crisis. 38% saying it is not. 46% of Democrats saying it was. That's a problem. Conservative as those who responded other overwhelmingly said the situation was a crisis. 82% of conservatives and others, 70% independents, basically. Broken down uh, by political ideology. The majority of conservatives, this isn't Democrat or liberal, but can, or excuse me, this isn't Democrat or Republican by party. This is by what you say you are politically. Uh, it was uh, 86% of conservatives says it's a crisis, 56% of moderates, and 37% of liberals responded as such. Hmm. The poll also found a majority of Americans say the problem of illegal immigration is getting worse at 57%. 12% said it was getting better. <laughs> but, again, that's in the context of better for them is more legal immigration. Or they're high. We're getting back to yeah. that uh, answer that we started using a few weeks ago. <laughs> they're smoking <laughs> weed. They're smoking weed. <laughs> uh uh, 29% said it was around the same. 2%, I don't know. So uh, the number of those say the problem is getting worse is up from August. Hmm. So there you go. So that's uh, the latest poll from Rasmussen uh, out there. Meanwhile, uh, we'll get to this coming up following the, the bottom of the hour. Uh, Elon Musk remote work is BS and morally wrong. Morally wrong. Morally wrong, yes. Well, it would be morally wrong if you're not doing anything <laughs> and you claim you're doing work, then yeah, that's morally wrong. Gary and Eric, we've survived Biden's nuclear winter and boiling seas, and you'll do well to keep listening to Red Eye Radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good morning. Yeah. 
A uh, couple of other uh, stories here. New York Post editorial. Mayor Adams, stop hiding the 150 sites where you're housing immigrants. You heard that uh, he bas- he told the citizens of New York, deal with it, that apparently they are going to allow the migrants to stay on school grounds in the gymnasium while students are in school. Because that's the next step. They have no place to put the migrants. But this is another story, the New York Post editorial, not a story, but the editorial. How many migrants have come to New York City? Where are they all staying? How much is it costing taxpayers day to day? All important questions, all the ones that Mayor Adams will not answer. For starters, a post is sought so far unsuccessfully. A full listing of shelters being used for newcomers, complete with their locations, landlords, operators, number of beds, and other details. Residents want and deserve to know where the migrants will be staying. Mm -hmm. Cops had to arrest 10 migrants on Sunday after two alcohol-fueled scuffles erupted, yet the city is now relying on some 150 emergency shelters and relief centers to handle the waves of migrants flooding in. Where are they exactly? We don't know, and they want to know. Adams has been open about some sites, like the 1,000-room Roosevelt Hotel, opening as the city's main migrant arrival center and as a shelter, but he only announced plans for the Roosevelt after the Post had reported them based on the info our reporters dug up on their own. Outraged parents, meanwhile, are in the streets protesting as they suddenly discover gyms at their schools are being readied for migrants. These aren't empty schools. New Yorkers want to know if buildings in uh, their neighborhood, hotels, warehouses, unused, unused government property will be hosting migrants. Their concerns about safety and other issues are entirely legitimate. Sure, some will object and perhaps even succeed in blocking a new shelter, but springing shelters on people as a done deal is a guarantee to leave folks furious. The mayor's not wrong to suggest New Yorkers direct their anger towards Washington and the White House for triggering the crisis in the first place and for refusing to help deal with it. But their first fury will go towards the mayor if he keeps hiding information on what he's doing in their neighborhoods. You've got time to turn this around, sir. Start by releasing a full list of migrant shelters along with their uh, locations and costs. Mm. There's no easier way uh, to win New Yorkers hate than to treat them as saps. Well... And you look at it, if if Mayor Adams is going to keep it secret, then he's part of the problem, right? Mm-hmm. If he comes out and gives everybody the information and says, look, this is what we're doing, and we don't know what else to do, we don't have anything else that we can do, this is the way it's going to be, and we're asking the federal government for help, then quite possibly he could get the public sentiment, at least there in New York, to back him in his effort to get the Biden administration to do anything. I still don't think Biden will do anything. 
No, they think it's great what's going on. They think they're going to be able to process more migrants into the country quicker. Oh, yeah. It's ramping up. And so this isn't going to, and I don't know when it's going to stop, Eric. It's going to continue. No, in fact, it's, It's look, we're just past mid-May. Every year in the summer, in the warmer months, it increases. But now they know the floodgates are open because they sent soldiers down to help process everybody. Now here, this came out uh, late yesterday afternoon, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced Tuesday he's sending over 1,100 law enforcement officers and National Guard members to Texas to secure the southern border. The news coming amid fears that border officials will be overwhelmed. Sending Uh, some drones as well. Yep. Uh, Texas and Florida have been leading the charge uh, against Biden's post-Title 42 policies, taking the administration to court over its policy of releasing illegal immigrants to the interior without a court date Mm -hmm. on overcrowding grounds. A Florida judge ruled against the Biden administration and suspects that it is not complying with its order. DeSantis said that the impacts of Biden's border crisis are being felt by communities across the nation and the federal government's abdication of duty undermines the sovereignty of our country and the rule of law. While Biden ignores the crisis he created, Florida stands ready to help Texas respond uh, to this uh, crisis. And also, you know, he's furious that they're, you know, he's sending, you know, plane loads that the government into Florida. Mm Mm-hmm. And right. so, the, and the thing is, this isn't going to, this isn't going to stop. It's not going to no. be over in no. two weeks. No. This thing's going to continue all into next summer. Mm-hmm. And you saw, we played the quote from Mayorkas, thrilled that the success has been, now there are so many avenues to come into this country legally. What yeah. they mean is, you come in, you claim, you claim you know, whatever, you know, you want for amnesty or whether whatever you believe will get you in and a judge. And remember, 85 to 90 percent of the asylum claims are rejected. Mm-hmm. So even if you say you're coming in for the right reason, once the investigation is done, they look at the country. And go, Nope, sorry, you go back. You don't have a legit reason to be here. The Biden administration is trying to get around that by processing as many people as they can, letting them into the country and saying your court dates will be in a couple of years. And as far out as 2035, 12 years you can be in this country legally before we even look at your asylum. Well, everyone knows what that will cause in the country. Yeah. Now, the Biden administration doesn't seem like they're backing off at all. I mean, they've doubled down. They've quadrupled down mm-hmm. on trying to process migrants through quicker. Yep. Yep. And so I see Texas. I see Florida. I believe other states and cities will be joining of offering uh, to send migrants to New York, Chicago, Philadelphia. This is going to continue. They're going to send them to major American liberal cities because the migrants wish to go there. Yep. So fine. We'll, We'll help you get there. And then the problem as you see in New York, is out of control completely. It's it's getting out of control in Chicago, in New York. They're screaming about it. Adams, 
you know, Biden doesn't want Adams part of the campaign because Adams isn't being a good soldier and just accepting his fate and his city's fate. Look, you need to pay for this. You need to take care of it. Yeah. Well, and my question is, are they following the judge's order? This judge in Florida. You can't do this. You can't release them without a court date. You know, one of the things that happens is that those that are in charge of the processing have to know what the rule is. Now, the official CBP uh, Twitter page, this was last Thursday night into Friday morning as Title 42 was ending, actually posted about the, the, the judge and, and the action by the judge and disagreed with it, but of course, you have to comply with the judge's orders. So my question is, is that what's being done on the ground? Are they issuing court dates? You know, it had come to the court's attention that there are published news reports stating that DHS paroled 2,500 yeah. aliens after the court entered its temporary restraining order, end of quote, wrote the judge. Citing a Washington Times report, the court takes allegations of noncompliance with its orders very seriously, irrespective of the source of the allegations. End of quote again. The Florida judge ordered the Biden administration to show cause as to why it should not be held in contempt for violating the temporary restraining order. In response, Monday, lawyers from the Department of Justice said the order had generally been followed. Generally. But admitted some possible noncompliance. Well, what is their interpretation of compliance? This is is the problem that we get into. Mayorkas, his interpretation of the law when it comes (laughs) to the the border and, and the word secure varies vastly from what most logical people believe. So my question is, did they read through it and say, here's what we can do according to the judge's order? Are they issuing court dates of 2035? Are they issuing a phone number saying, call this number for a or your court date, and you must do that immediately. Leaving it on, leaving it up to the person to do that. I, I mean, I just, I'm just having. Well, that I, was, I'm going through all of the well, that interpretations. Was, well, that was what they were originally concerned that's, about. That's was, what, yes, was, was that it wasn't there. There was no right. court date set at that point. Right, and what the you have to do at the minimum is set the court date. Right, and if you don't set the court date, then you're not abiding by the law at all. Yes, I would agree right, with you. Right. The question is, what's their interpretation of it? Right. What's and, going and, on on the and ground? And the reason they wish to do that is they can keep the lines. Their concern is to not have chaos. So what you simply do is say, come on in, call this number at some time, bye. Mm-hmm. That's how we're vetting at the border. You see another one on the terrorist watch list now? Yeah. What is it, like eight over the last couple of days? Mm-hmm on the terrorist watch list trying to cross the border. Right. Wow. 
I mean, you know, these are all the questions you have to ask. And the agents will do whatever they're told to do. It's up to somebody at the top to interpret or misinterpret, in the case of Mayorkas, and then issue the the memo. But are they following the judge's orders? Are are those orders in effect right now? We know the orders are in effect. Are they complying with the orders? Just amazing, though, to see all the news items is what's going on in New York and, and Chicago and other liberal cities about how there's just, you know, the, they just they can't handle it. And by the way, a significant portion of that is the federal government sending them migrants. It's not just the states. Right. Not just it's not just right. Abbott doing this. It's the government doing it. And right. you know why? Because they don't want mass chaos uh, it at one place where you can take photos of it. So yeah. let's get people through and then get them on a plane and get them out of South Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And get them to other places. But all they've done is create screaming and yelling now from liberal cities. Just amazing incompetence. Well, it's not actually incompetence. It's calculated. So it is calculated. It's not, it's not actually yep. incompetence. So. They are incompetent in many ways, but this isn't incompetence. This is deliberate. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Friday Radio. He's Eric. I'm Gary. Looking here, the latest Gallup poll on the housing market. 21% of U.S. adults believe it is a good time to buy a house, down 9 percentage points from the prior low recording recorded last year. The, the 2022 and 2023 ratings are the only times that less than half of Americans have perceived the housing market as being good for buyers in Gallup's trend since 1978. It's never been below 50%, hmm. except last year and this year, hmm. because of interest rates. Yeah. So in 45 years, only twice has it been below 50%. 2022, when the interest rates started going up, and now 2023. 22%. I mean, it's crashed below 50%. And you look at the graph, you're like, well, wow, it's always been good. And I have to ask, is that because is that because of inflation? I think there's inflation, interest rates. Yep. You know, you look at a, a number of things there. But, I mean, seriously, who's in the buying mode right now? You would have to have, you're probably older and... You have a lot of cash to put down, right? Mm-hmm. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.